You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's news and insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Hello listeners, welcome to the Tax Wrap podcast, episode 156. I'm Steve Burnham and I'm ably joined once more by David Ebden. Hello Steve. Hi David. Um, it was great to have Mark Pizzicala the last two uh, episodes. He's uh, very informative, but... but yeah, very the interesting. A, the A-team's back. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um, Which one are you? Well, A or B. Well, um, oh, I want to mention also, David, um, I don't know if you realise, but I had a tweet, I saw a tweet during the week from uh, a website called greataustralianpods.com. Okay. They, they have listed Tax Wrap as a Great Australian Pod, so that's good to know. Oh, there you go. Good work, Steve. Good, a little bit of kudos. So, um, ha- listeners, have a look at that, uh, www.greataustralianpods.com. So, thanks for that. Um, David, we started the new year uh, with a change to the um, property investment landscape, which um, from the couple of stories we've had on the website and that uh, I know that you've uh, had a story written for the upcoming taxpayer about some of these changes, about um, deductions that property investors now can't make anymore, um, which is a bit of a concern. Um, so I thought we'd talk about that, if that's okay. Yep, yep. No, that's a very good idea, Steve. Um, I know we've touched on this in the in the past we, when these changes were announced in the budget last yeah, year. But they become law now. I Correct. Think. They received royal assent um, just before Christmas on the thirtieth um, of November. Right. Uh, so these laws are now effective from seven thirty p.m. on the 9th of May, twenty seventeen, which oh, was so obviously. Budget night. So they're backdated. Okay. Correct. And they will affect taxpayers with residential investment property and uh, foreign property owners from the 1st of July 2017. And foreign property owners. Oh, you better explain that. That's um, Uh, that's, uh, the foreign acquisition vacancy fee, which I'm sure we'll touch on at the end. All right. So what's involved? What are we looking at? So there's two items um, relating to rental properties. Uh, The first is the um, disallowing of travel expenses. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's like when, when a landlord, an owner goes to inspect a property or do some repairs, etc. Yep, correct. So um, the, the the government was concerned that, I don't know, for example, if you, know, you live here in Victoria, yep. if you had a nice rental property somewhere up in tropical Queensland right. and you were flying up there to inspect the property, um, you might be taking a cheeky holiday oh, at right. the same time. Yep. And, uh, yeah, the ATO are just uh, conscious of that and mm. uh, clamping down on that kind of yeah. questionable deduction. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you could call it rotting the system, but uh, but still, if, if you're travelling from you know one suburb to another suburb to make a repair, etc., it doesn't really seem... It's, it's ta- Well, it takes away possibly a legitimate deduction, but, um, yeah, but there yeah. we have it. But I suppose it's the case of, you know... One rule has to fit all, doesn't it? What's yeah. good for the goose is good for the gander. So, what, how do, I mean, is there any way around it? I suppose if you, um, well, get your real estate agent to do that. Yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. correct. Um, costs that um, that are paid to uh, letting agents or real estate agents um, that they they remain deductible. So, if you're uh, charging them with the care and maintenance of your property, oh yeah, um, yeah, that's all still good. Right. Um, it's also important to note that the um, these restrictions uh, do not extend to um, certain businesses and entities. Ah, oh, okay. <clears throat> so uh, these entities include um, uh, corporate tax entities, uh, superannuation funds, uh, managed investment trusts, public unit trusts, and unit trusts or partnerships. Okay, okay. So mainly individuals. 
Yeah, yeah, correct. Right. So um, there is a couple of examples I have for you yep. from the um, explanatory memorandum that was released. Uh, so in the first one, Michael um, owns an investment property and he engages a real estate agency to manage the property, which right. is located on the other side of town. Yep. So this property is leased for residential accommodation and is therefore considered to be residential premises. Of course, it goes without saying. Yeah. Um, so every six months, uh, Michael will travel by car to inspect the property. He also meets with the real estate agent once a year to discuss any rent increases and any other property management issues. Yep. So travel expenditure to inspect the property and meet with the real estate agent is for the purpose of gaining or producing rental income from the use of residential premises as residential accommodation. Right. Michael incurs fuel costs associated with this travel. The fuel costs are not incurred in carrying on a business. Michael cannot deduct such travel expenditure as it is attributable to travel and incurred to derive income from the use of residential premises for residential accommodation. Right. There you go. This might increase the people using the um, services of uh, third parties. I mean... Yeah, 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 it's possible. There's another example here uh, which relates to travel expenditure, which is related to residential premises, which has been subject to a sublease arrangement. Yep. So in this example, uh, Chris is uh, the legal owner of an investment property uh, and he has leased it out to Billy. Uh, Billy decides to move out of the property but decides not to break this lease. So instead, Billy subleases the property to another tenant who we'll call Jared. Right. Billy collects rental income from Jared and incurs expenditure travelling to the property to inspect it every month. Billy is prevented from deducting such expenditure, which is attributable to travel and is incurred to gain or produce accessible income from the use of residential premises as residential accommodation. Right. Now there was something else. <clears throat> I think uh, in the changes about depreciation you're mentioning. What's what's that? Yes, correct. Um, the other change that relates to um, property investors is uh, depreciation deductions. Right. So it's depreciation for this is for assets, isn't it? For things in, in on the property, like items of uh, plant and equipment. Yep, yep, correct. Um, the the government's uh, had concerns for a while now regarding uh, the revaluation of assets that have already been depreciated yep. in the event of the property changing ownership. Right. So they saw the problem was that new owners of existing properties uh, assessing the assets in excess of their original value, leading to double dipping yeah, yeah. Um, in the depreciation deductions. However, this uh, new measure could potentially discourage investors from purchasing previous taxable residential properties right? because they can no longer make n- the claim. No longer depreciate all the things that come with the property. Mm. Yeah. The investment property owner now will be denied a claim for depreciation on pre-existing plant and equipment in an existing residential property which has been purchased after the 9th of May 2017. Again, budget night, I assume. Yeah, budget yep. night, yeah. Okay. Properties and uh, related assets owned prior to the 9th of May yep. will not be affected. Ah, oh, okay. And owners can continue to, to d- deduct the... Depreciate, sorry, the plant and equipment. Yeah, correct. Okay, right. Correct. So th- there's three possible scenarios. Right. Um, scenario one uh, is if the residential property was purchased and or rented out before 7.30pm on the 9th of May 2017, yep. then the depreciation is fully claimable. The new rules do not apply. Okay. Uh, the second scenario is uh, that a new residential property was purchased 
and or rented out after 7.30pm on the 9th of May 2017. Uh, The plant and equipment purchased and installed after the property has been purchased will be able to be depreciated based on its effective life. Oh, yeah. It can be pulled. Yep. Uh, Developers who build a new residential property will have a six-month period to rent out the property and still be able to sell the property to an investor with full depreciation entitlements. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yep. 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 And uh, where a developer decides to do this, assets will be considered trading stock and no depreciation can be claimed by the developer. Oh, fair enough, because they're not really investing. Yep, yep. It's, it's here, yep. Yep, correct. And uh, the third scenario is that previously owned residential property purchased and rented out after the 7.30pm deadline yep. on the 9th of May. Um, in this case, owners uh, will no longer be able to claim depreciation on plant and equipment if they are not the property's initial owner. Oh, yeah, okay. If they buy it. Yep. And properties built before 1987 will only have claimable depreciation on capital works completed, uh, for example, renovations. Oh, right, yep. And um, any plant and equipment installed by the current owner if it has been purchased after the 9th of May 2017. Well, that's the situation. It's um, it's uh, kind of disappointing, I suppose, for quite a few investors uh, uh, out there, but uh, there are ways around it. I mean, if it depends when you buy the thing and yep, correct. if you'd have it's liked or not, it's all... All goes back to tax planning. Yeah, planning, exactly, tax planning, which makes practitioners even more important, thank goodness. Correct, correct. (laughs) Um, Now, the last one about the foreign owners. So the third part of the um, housing affordability plan uh, was an annual vacancy fee imposed on foreign owners of residential properties. Oh, okay, okay. So if they own a property but no one's in it. Yeah, correct. So the fee was designed to encourage foreign owners to make their property available for occupation for a minimum of um, at least six months, yep. which is 183 days, oh, yeah. out of the 12 months period. Yep. Um, the occupation of the property could be established by uh, either the property owner or relative of the owner living in the property. Yep. Uh, the property was available for rent through the rental market with a minimum occupation of 30-day terms. Okay, yep. And uh, that the property was occupied as a residence subject to lease or licence of at least 30-day terms. Right, right. And what's the impost? What, what, what's the... Did you call it a fee? Is that what yeah, you're Yeah, correct. Um, <clears throat> so the, the foreign owners have to uh, complete a annual vacancy fee return within uh, 30 days of the vacancy period ending. Uh, failure to occupy the property for the minimum required period would prompt the commissioner to impose this fee. Right. Um, and the annual vacancy fee payable is uh, $5,500 huh. for properties costing less than $1 million. It's just important to note that, as with most other uh, uh, tax dealings, yep. uh, all records pertaining to the property must be kept for a period of five years right. subsequent to the sale by the owner. Failure to do this could result mm. in penalties if um, yeah. you were so investigated. Yeah, yeah. It's called the, what, the Housing Affordability. Yep, the Treasury Laws Amendment Housing Tax Integrity Bill. Ta- housing Tax Integrity Bill, okay. All right, uh, thanks once more, David. Oh, thank you, Steve. Thank you for the session. Thank you, listeners, and um, please tune in next week.